Good evening, Mover Abayisai. Continuing along here, Perik Tess of Shar HaTshuva, we are going into now the second category of Averis. The first one dealt with Averis ben Adam Lamokim, between the person and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it affected nobody else. And for that, to answer his original question of this Perik, is it possible to do Tshuva? Is Tshuva attainable? The answer is absolutely yes. And the, and the Averis that pertain to particular areas, whether Averis of the mind, of the heart, or their actions, so the tshuva that should be done should be commensurate to the Avera that was committed. And that should be part of the tshuva process to try to better himself in that area. Avo, we continue along, Avo, But if this Avera that was done was an affront not only to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which every Aver is, because Hashem said, don't do this. If one steals from somebody, it certainly, the other, it certainly affects the other person, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, don't steal. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, don't talk Lashon Hara. So it's always a, a sin committed against Hashem, but also the it also affects people. Says the Chavis HaVavos, Yikshet, it's going to be difficult to do tshuva for many reasons. So before we get despondent or very dejected about doing tshuva, as he's saying, it's going to be very difficult, let's first hear why it's so difficult and the reasons that Chavos gives, and then we'll see afterwards he will give us his Eitzah. He'll give us advice how to go about it. But when it comes to Averis that we affect other people, it is, truth be told, much more difficult to do tshuva, says Chavos For many reasons. Mayhem amongst them. Shalayim Ashuk. You may not find the person that you ba'avled, that you insulted. Imagine as a person who just was in shul for the first time and you didn't like the way he was behaving or he took your seat or for whatever reason he got you upset and you made a comment to him, you made a remark to him and you saw that he was truly embarrassed or maybe he was in front of other people and he was embarrassed. Then he leaves and you have no idea who this person was. You don't know where he went, where he's from. Shalayim Tzashi, you may not find him. Oishayamus, worse, you know where to find him but he's not alive anymore. What are you going to do? How are you going to ask him for Mechila? Or, you know where he is, he's alive, but he's so far away. Obviously, it was uh, in a time where you couldn't contact him, there was no communication, except it was face-to-face. But even today, it's true, you could try to send him an email, track him down, but what if it's something that you really need to talk to him in person? When he's too far away, where are you going to go travel? across the uh, half the world to get to the person. So therefore, we just see it is much more difficult. Umayhem, another set of reasons why it's more difficult to do tshuva. Let's say a person stole money or caused damage to a person and therefore he owes him, halakhically speaking, he owes him money. However, the person, let's say, trusted me with watching his money. And I was negligent. 
and I lost the money. If it's my responsibility to pay, it could have been a huge sum of money. And the person who was negligent just doesn't have the money, doesn't have the cash. He just doesn't have it. Imagine a person lost $200,000 that somebody gave in his safekeeping. And, and he just doesn't have the money to be able to pay him back. What should he do then? Furthermore, What if a person either took money from a person or insulted him or sold, told Lashonara about him and therefore it affected this person. He wasn't able to get a job. He wasn't able to get a shidduch because the Lashonara told. And he finds out who told the Lashonara about him. Or maybe he doesn't even. But the person who said the Lashonara knows that the victim of this Lashonara has made it clear that I'll never be Michael, that person who said the Lashonara. You could imagine, if you, you yourself are the victim, you could imagine how we would feel. And there's an everlasting effect. That's it. It's on this person's record for the rest of his life or her life. Is it going to be easy to be Michael somebody? That's it. I'll never be Michael that person. Now the person who did it, you know, he thought it was a joke. He thought it was okay. He wasn't thinking. And now he has terrible regret. He has such remorse that he ever did that. But now, how is he going to go over to this person? I'll never be Michael me. He may not forgive me. Imagine, you damaged somebody, a person was negligent, and he drove his car into somebody. He just wasn't paying attention. He was looking at a text while he was driving. And he never, had an accident and made a person uh, injured for life. such a thing as that. But what happens is he going to get to do a do a tshuva for that, or he told something derogatory about this person, and as we mentioned, that there could be an everlasting effect on that. How is a person supposed to do tshuva for such a thing? So, Chavazavavis is really building up a case over here, that when we do our various between us and other people, and the effect is quite strong, very difficult to do tshuva. He's going to have an Eitzah, but just let's let's try to digest the problem right here and realize it doesn't seem like there's going to be a simple Eitzah. Umayam, furthermore, you may not even know the person that you affected detrimentally. You don't know what the what the amount of money, what was the sum total of the damage that was done. Why wouldn't a person know? Let's say a person did something that damaged something that affected the whole village, all the people in the village, all the people in the city. person, let's say, does something, he, he steals from a, from a moiset, from an institution, a shul, a yeshiva, and many people were affected. Who are you supposed to pay it back? The people who are affected then could be they're not even in that same institution, they're not still in that yeshiva, they moved on. So how are you supposed to do that? Well, you don't even know who the people who were affected then. Person, maybe, he, he did he did a prank. He thought it was a cute joke. And uh, he, he said, it's upset, it's up, something, and many people were affected by this and were hurt by it, either physically or insulted by it. But he has no idea even who it was. 
So he has no idea to what extent monetarily the damage was. How are you supposed to deal with that? Comes to mind the Maise with the Chofetz The great Ragachover, Rabbi Yosef Rosen, who was known as the great Ragachover guy from Dvinsk. When he was seven years old, he was learning with a with a uh, another Kavrusa Chosid. He was Chasidish the Ragachover, and he was seven years old. And the Kavrusa was older. And they're learning Masechta Sukkah in some base Menrish. And over there, it lists that there were Shemaynim Talmidim that Hill Azakin had. The smallest amongst them were Begin Mazakai. The greatest amongst this Talmidim was Rabbeinus and Ben Uziel. How great Rabbeinus and Ben Uziel? Because after listing a whole say, uh, list of things that Rabbeinus and Ben Uziel accomplished in his learning, well, that was the young, that was the young. The, the, the the smallest of the Talmidim and the greatest of the Talmidim. Oh, the Gemara says, she was Nisraf. A bird now flew over his head while he was learning, immediately was burnt up, disintegrated from the power of the Kedusha. Rashi says, the Malachim that just surrounded him when he learned Torah. So the these two Chabrusas was were, uh, were dealing with one another, going into it, involved in the Sugya, and the Chofetz Chaim walked in at that moment. So the Chofetz Chaim looks at which Gemara they're learning. It's the Divri Agadita by Rabbi And says, what are you going so into this Gemara for? Like, well, what's, what's so perplexing? So the Chavrusa of the Ragnar said, I'm just thinking of what Kedusha Rabbi Nezil must have been learning. And I wonder if I'll ever make it to that level of Kedusha. And you, Yingle, the Ragachava was seven years old. The Ragachava says, I'm thinking, was Rabbi Yenisim to pay the owner of the bird for burning his bird? That was his Shaila. And the Chavetz Chaim had a lot of Hanoi and a lot of enjoyment from that to answer. There's a whole Shaila talking. The Stipla has a whole piece in Kills Yaakov when someone damages someone through a a non-natural manner. Someone, let's say, makes an eye in horror on somebody and the person gets damaged. Are you chayved as a hezek? Because it's not direct. It's not the way of normal, natural hezek. But that was the Ragin Shavuz But imagine he's right. First of all, whose bird was it? How much was the bird worth? Will he ever find the owner of that bird? So that's part of the issues of why it's much more difficult to do tshuva. Let's just finish the list. Here can be a different issue. A person stole money, and this money that he took is now already mixed in to other monies. And for him to try to sort of extract out the money that he stole and take it out and try to return it to the owner will be with tremendous difficulty. Imagine a person took the $200,000 from somebody. And in the meantime, what he did, he, he, he also used another many hundreds of thousand dollars of his own, and he bought a, a building. And this is the building that, he, that he's uh, using as his parnasa. If he has to sell the building, it may be, uh, incur a tremendous loss for him to be able to 
to liquidate the building and get the cash to pay the person back? It may not, it may not happen. So what's the person supposed to do? At this point, what is he supposed to do? So says, It's not very easy to buy to try to get this out and retrieve the money. He also has his own money, which is permissible money. And at that point, it's too late. He won't be able to try to liquidate the both the money that's also the money that's mutter. And the Gemara talks about such a case. The Gemara in Gittin talks about Gozel Morish, a person stole a beam from his friend. He stole a beam, and when he, when he, uh, he, the Gemara talks about this case that he stole a beam from his friend Ubanoi Babira. He took this beam and he already built it into a building. To return the beam now, what's he going to do? He has to break apart the entire house, return the beam, and then try to rebuild the house. You know what kind of loss that's going to incur by that? Like we understand, that's Beishamah's sheet always, his approach. The diddy comes first, let it uproot a mountain. That's it. That's what we have to do. Break apart the house, demolish the house, and then return the beam. You don't have to return the actual beam. You just have to pay the monetary value of the beam. Basilel knew that if you demand from people to have to break apart their house and return the actual beam that was stolen, they'll never do it. But Basilel wanted people to do tshuva. They wanted people to return the the goods to the to the owner. Therefore, he says, I allow you, we make an injunction over here, and you can give the monetary value of that Morish. So that's just one example of you see here how difficult it is that if already this money that was taken is already absorbed into something that is already permissible, very difficult to be able to then take out that money and return it. And because of this, and other reasons, as I'll explain, and when you will uh, see that tomorrow evening, because of that, it's much more difficult to do tshuva when we're dealing with but as he'll say, he'll explain the whole gamut of reasons why it's more difficult and then in Mitzvah Shem and Perik Yud he will give us the advice how to take care of even that. Agutanach.